4,481%, which means that 50 grand turns into $2.24 million. The following audio is the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. Have you ever just wanted to get online, have every single stock investment just explained to you perfectly with the power of AI? Great. So have we. It's been something that we've just looked for constantly. And we love this podcast. And guess what? This podcast loves FinChat. FinChat is the greatest tool to ever exist when you want to start examining stocks. You can hop online, create an account at finchat.io, start using an AI assistant, and find everything you need about Apple, Tesla, Amazon, and so many more. Check it out, finchat.io. And someone you try calling, someone everyone was making any type of phone call, and guess what, Braden? Everything shut down. The world is ending. If this happened in 2020, like let's call it April of 2020, do you think, how many people do you think would have just exploded? Oh my gosh, dude. People couldn't handle the, the chaos. It's so strange because I uh, I don't know why, but I'm on TikTok and the TikTok algorithm has decided that I belong in the doomsday or corner of TikTok. Uh, <laughs> so I just get all of these like doomsday or prep videos all the time. And I don't know if you've seen it. There's all the videos of like the FBI saying that China and all these people are in our infrastructure and they're going to, you know, Russia's going to launch nuclear bombs in space and kill all our satellites and China yeah. destroy all of our power and water and EMPs and all this crap and I'm just like yeah no that's not real and then today I wake up and there's no freaking service I'm like it's the beginning of the end it's yeah. the end so TikTok's right I belong in the doomsday I was getting messages from people today that uh, and for all listeners you know we're in the midst of do- just talking you know stupid that AT&T T-Mobile maybe Verizon some other carriers were just having issues this guy that I know working in construction was like, this is the greatest day on earth. I normally get 50, 60 phone calls by now, and I haven't received a single one, and I've actually gotten so much work done. <laughs> Funny. Like, all my job sites and everything could be blown up to pieces, uh, and it's all hell broke loose, but, hey, <laughs> I'm good right now, so. No, that's funny. Yeah, there's actually somebody at my house right now There was supposed to be an exchange of vehicles and stuff with some of Megan's friends, and, uh, one of the friends got lost on the way here. She drove in from Dallas and there was no reception. So her Google Maps just stopped. Uh, hey, your little lake house is hard to get into. I'll give you that. That ain't easy. easy. <laughs> but it's really great. So if uh, that's the other thing. Yeah, if you have no service for maps, I think I use my Google Maps way more than any other thing on my phone, which is probably good or bad. I don't know. But I'm addicted, and if that's taken away, I just have to like pull over, sit on the curb, and just wait for a printer to give me some MapQuest printouts. Yeah, and then I can yeah, and then I can make it to you know the seventh grade whatever party that I was on my way to in 2006. Hold on a second. I'm gonna use it. Hold on a second. Is that the title of the pod? Is MapQuest still real? Is MapQuest still real? I think they shut it down. To be honest, um, but we. We can figure that out. I that's not in any of the notes here. <laughs> the topic it's that's not, that we have put aside for today. Mapquest.com. It's on. Oh yes. It's a thing. No, I think we should title this Who Wants to Buy Mapquest? Because if it is still a thing, you gotta pick that thing up. Um anyway, speaking of great acquisitions, 
Um, let's just hit really fast on people that did not freak out when NVIDIA pulled back significantly over the last week or so because they're like, wow, their revenue numbers and forecasts are just unattainable. It's impossible. Let's just go ahead and start shorting or just, you know, selling it now. And the stock tanked like 10%. And then NVIDIA posts everything out yesterday. And once again, single-handedly boosts up our entire economy and the global system and everything is just rainbows and perfect and sunshine because now they're up. Dude, they're up 15% today. That's stupid. It is stupid. Yeah. We haven't even had a chance to go fully through their numbers and, you know, earnings per share, what they're forecasting, but it's, they crushed all expectations. Yeah. Do you think that's warranted or, uh, or, or not a 15% jump in a company of that size? It's FOMO. No, people, people are just going back into it. Like I think, yeah, it's, it's almost a $2 trillion company. It's a 1.9 right now. Stupid for it to move that much on one earnings. Um, but that just means that it is very, it's, it's now in the hands of, um, popular opinion, you know? So the first time popular opinion changes on them, even for a second, it's going to absolutely tumble. Uh, but for now, popular opinion keeps driving it up. It is weird. I, 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 like, I did notice that people were selling it off and you hold it. I hold it. Everything, everybody in the world kind of holds it and. You know, again, back to TikTok. I'm on TikTok and there's all of these TikTok financial influencers like, oh, the smartest people. The AI rally is over. NVIDIA's <laughs> sell everything. The market's crashing. And I'm just yeah. like, eh, eh. I don't know. I kind of, we'd see. Yeah. When did you learn your lesson from listening to TikTok uh, financial influencers? Is it whenever they call for a recession in 2023 and there's no recession in 2023 or when they, you know, uh, like they're ridiculous, but. People still listen clearly and they can fire things up. Dude, I, I truly think like there's so much dumb advice out there and you know, people listening to this podcast, this is never advice. We disclose that it's everywhere, but can grieve. It's just dumb. People just (laughs) say whatever they want. This podcast isn't advice. It's just dumb. Yeah. It's literally the dumbest thing. You (laughs) could not get anything dumber than this. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have a stack for you on NVIDIA. Okay, so let's say someone like us who graduated uh, college in 2016 started at NVIDIA. Okay, so it's almost eight years ago. We're so freaking old. hate that so much. So it's almost eight years ago. And the stock, technically, if you started that summer, NVIDIA today is $771. It, during that summer, was $15. Yeah. For sure. They're they're billionaires, and we saw you saw the tweet from Strip Mall guy, or no? Did you see you it? Know. Strip Mall guy tweeted something about how um, it was. It obviously came back to real estate, but he said Nvidia is printing millionaires with all of their employees, and all of them are buying real estate in the Bay Area. And it was like, oh, the Bay Area is not dead. Very interesting. No, I would I would suspect it's it's doing a lot, right? Yeah, but like. If you had stock options that just kept growing, let's just say uh, it's hard, but if you had close to like $50,000 in terms of like stock that was granted or like started to earn over the period, you got more and more, whatever. 50000 with that type of jump, 
from the fifteen dollars to seven seventy one that it is today is four thousand four hundred eighty one percent. Yeah. Which means that fifty grand turns into two point two four million dollars. Yep. In eight years. Yep. Why? And if you're anyone at NVIDIA, like if you were smart, you t- you honestly would have sold already so much. But it is it is just it's just writing. So there's no other that, that you own that's performing as well as this. I bet. Very few employees hold on to that stock the long term, though, or at least a lot of it. A lot of times, employees, at least in my experience with being an advisor, as employees get their stock options and they sell it as soon as they possibly can to do whatever. Yeah. Right? Really well, some of them, some of them are like five year plan, like they can't do anything. Uh, yeah, for or sure. they can only sell a limited amount after a certain amount of time. So even even my own personal experience. Do you remember whenever we worked at it was active? Yeah. And we got our vested stock or whatever, and the oh, yeah, able to sell that. I sold it. I was like, yeah, I'm out. Thank God. It was nothing. Yeah. I was like, nah, out of that. Uh, then COVID happened, so good move. Yeah. It's it's hard to think that employees stay loyal. I mean, but it's still at the same time, they didn't just get one either. You know, like they get they get new new uh, uh, stock grants every year. It's usually paid out as bonuses and stuff. You know, so mm. anyway. But if I had a $50,000 investment over the span of eight years turn into $2.24 million, or I'm sorry, $2.4 million, that's insane. It is. It really is. So, yeah, it, it depends on when they wanted to sell or what was allowed, everything specific. But shout out to everyone who's worked at NVIDIA for years and years. And if you've hey, been right. longer than that, awesome. You ready for a callback to our episode on Elon Musk, though? Do it. Okay. So the episode on Elon Musk, where, where the, the state of Delaware ruled against his compensation and said it was excessive? Yeah. That's now a precedent. They could easily do that for NVIDIA. For every single one of the employees, they could say that compensation is excessive relative to what would be determined or demanded in the marketplace for that position. And they could all lose their money because the state of Delaware could be like, nah, sorry. Ain't that's. That- that could, happen. that could happen. It probably will happen with the CEO, but it could happen with all of them. Every single one of them, they could take it away. Here's what doesn't make any sense. You know what happens when they take that gain or that compensation, right? Taxes are owed. Tax. Income tax, yeah. Why would yeah. you lower that amount? Because it's a percentage. It's not a fixed amount. So if people have higher compensations, that's higher amounts of taxes being paid. I think it's just absolute idiot like terrible stupid dumb reasoning for any that to exist yeah it's like why would you bash that if they get you more taxes if it's higher compensation yeah no idea so i think it was dumb to rule like that on elon but now they have that can go all the way down the board so yeah we talk about how rich they're all getting and it's like i am almost certain it's a delaware corporation i would bet a lot on that i don't know um, but yeah, if it is at risk, I would be pissed, dude. If I if that blew up, yeah. So I, I'd be upset too, man. Um, so there's a couple of things I wanted to talk on this podcast as well, just on our list. Um, one, I'll give you two options in which way we can go first, because I know you and I will both talk through. But first one is a roofing solar company that will remain nameless. And we added some initial figures on it, 
and conversations, et cetera, on just how well it's been performing as a company, how much we like the business model, and then get this, they may actually be interested in selling the company, hearing offers. Second, we have this lake house that is not just any lake house. It is a lake house property that can sleep 20 people and it has a wedding venue on the property. Which investment do you want to talk about first? Both great options, in my opinion. Go wedding venue first. Okay. Awesome. Braden, are you ready to walk down the aisle on your yeah. investment? Wow. That sounds like a Shark Tank pitch. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is sharks. Thank you so much for uh, gathering before me today so I can talk to you about this specific investment. So as you may know, Brayden, I am a huge sucker for super fun, crazy, cool business models. They may not have the fattest margins as like a SaaS company with 90% or whatever, but this wedding venue is in a, I'm not even going to give the location. I'm afraid somebody's going to take it. This wedding venue is in Texas. And it's on a lake and it is gorgeous. So it's like a two acre property on a lake with a giant house that can sleep 20 people. Um, It is not a highly visited lake. So take that for granted on, okay, does location matter for wedding venue? But let me break down the deal for you. Yes, the house sleeps 20 people. It's not massive like it sleeps 20 people. It's under 3,000 square feet. So think of tons and tons of beds, bunks everywhere. But if that's your cup of tea, that's your cup of tea. Uh-huh. So you can book this wedding venue for roughly $5,000 a weekend. The wedding venue itself does between, over the last few years, COVID kind of made some craziness happen, but 120 to 150000 per year. And the entire property home wedding venue, lakefront property included, is selling for roughly $1 million. Interesting. Have I gathered enough interest from you so far? I've got more. Okay, keep it rolling. The venue itself is on a lake where if you live in Texas, like you and I both do, but people who listen to this don't, um, we love all our Canadian listeners. If you're interested in this property, reach out. Um, This has some of the most prime lake real estate because the lake is known as a constant level lake. Ooh, been drought. Dig that. Droughts everywhere in Texas. I know you're out there on Lake Travis, so you see a lot of that. So that kind of X's it out that the house is from Lake Travis. Um, but you have constant level lake. You've got a house that sleeps 20 people. You've got venue or third-party vendor options or like food or other caterers or people that can park, move stuff around, cater to exactly whatever type of wedding you want. All that means is so much extra real estate and space. So this is a double lot kind of two acre property. It's massive. And personally, man, I think I'm just going to do it. I really want this thing so badly, but I don't know if I want to run a wedding venue. So now I'm on the look for somebody who can do that. That's the time to do that. Yeah, that would, that would be great. But the house itself and everything, uh, it's just, it just makes so much sense to me. Like if you don't get the wedding venue booked, you can still book out the house that sleeps tons of people on Airbnb and you're great. 
or go there for the weekend yourself. Yeah. Oh, and that's the last thing. That's the cherry on top. No short-term regulations, nothing city, town, ordinance-wise. If they were to do something like that, the house already kind of exists from what I could tell from the seller in a spot where they are a wedding venue. So that overcompensates like, oh, people then stay here. Yeah, it's commercial, I bet. Or it's always zoned commercial maybe in the area. No. Uh, you know, the the funny thing is there's always the Charlie Munger question. I think we've said it before. Charlie Munger, when he finds a good deal, his very first question is, why, oh, why, God, am I the one that gets to find this deal? What is that? What do other people know that you don't, you know? Like, how come you are the lucky guy out of all the world that got to find this deal and nobody else found it? Do you want me to be really arrogant with this answer? Yes, I do. Yeah, give it, give it out, man. What's the deal? Okay, uh, I have computer programs built for just finding everything. So I found it from something like this. Uh, so that's the super arrogant answer. The other answer is just like, I'm just looking constantly too. So it's a consistency thing where I'm like, hey, you know, check out lake houses, do this or that. But also, I've kind of 10 x the ability on just searching by itself. Has it been for sale for a while? No. That's the problem. So, somebody could easily find it. It is listed. Yeah. It's not off market. Very interesting. Do you think it's listed as a business or as a as a residential real estate? It's listed as both. It's in a couple areas, which is annoying. Scary. But, Yeah. Somebody could find it. Somebody could totally jump on. The problem is, or maybe it's not a problem. The funny thing is, because it's a wedding venue and it makes revenue, like good revenue, enough to cover probably debt and some other people. 120000 Sure. Yeah. The hundred twenty and hundred fifty. Yeah. The price for the house and the property, even though it's double lot and everything, it's just way more per square foot than any other comp. Yeah. So my hope is people that are just even looking at the residential side of things are like, oh, this house is way more than every single other thing around it. I don't even care to look at it. And then I want it to sit for like four or five months. And then. So that's probably right. The people who are looking at it for a home are looking at it and thinking that is way too much for a home of this size. Right. The people looking at it as a business they're probably thinking that's way too much for a business too. Let's think of what it should be fairly valued. Um, so it makes 120000 a year in revenue. Let's say the margins are 50% maybe. I don't know what all they have to do to run the wedding. 50% would be high. I give it 40. So they did 40%. Well, let's so pretend it's 50 because easy numbers. So six, right. so it makes 60000 a year. Great. At 60000 a year, that's a very, very small business. Let's say you get a 2x multiple. So really, it's worth one hundred and twenty thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand, even let's say two and a half x. Are you can are you doing the math on the asset? Well, oh, in the real no, not yet. I was going to add in the real estate. So it's one hundred thousand is what the business itself is worth. Now let's say you were buying the business and the real estate. If you combine the two, do you think that property is off by one hundred and fifty thousand, or how much is it off compared to comps? On cops, I would say it's actually probably off by like over 200, 250. Yeah. So it probably is overvalued by about. They're overvaluing, in my opinion, probably the business. Uh-huh. 
Interesting. Did it ever do? Maybe they have even better margins. I don't know. Like, but that's just my eye. That's just wedding venue. Did it ever do any Airbnb or anything? That I don't know because I haven't gotten those answers. Yeah. And 50 seems like high margins, but think about it. I mean, they're not paying a rent, which is a big expense on businesses. Correct. Uh, they aren't really paying, I'm sure, for caterers and alcohol and things like that. So, I mean, really, their expenses, they probably have to have somebody to organize and shuffle around, and then they have to have cleaners. I think that's probably, you know, I mean, their expense probably isn't much more than Airbnb um, for a lot of that. But very interesting. Very interesting. And we should explore it, you know, like, have you talked to the broker yet or the agent on the deal? No. Uh, most of the stuff that I found is just the super fun, cool stuff that I do that I can source it online and I can figure out like, oh, this is what they're doing. Um, it could be doing a lot was to not talk to the agent or broker. But if I called up the business and I was just interested in buying the business and they see it more as like, oh, this might be the business or it's a real estate play. I don't see a business broker on it. So I'll say that. Um, so you could consider it like an off-market business. But I could say, hey, saw this. Like, let's talk. Oh, you want to sell it? Oh, the real estate is this much. Okay. But then that would start negotiation of every, you know, these step. Yeah, that you have to get through and figure things out. I would love for me to be totally wrong. And it does a lot more in terms of revenue. Well, I'd be great, right? If it's 5K uh, a weekend... That's actually only 250K. So you couldn't find it on Airbnb? Did you look on Airbnb? Did you even see I it? didn't. I looked on Verbo, Airbnb, some other things, nothing. So I think they're just doing the wedding video because they're not smart enough. Well, I'm not going to be being, they're not sophisticated enough. Like I think I could come in and operationally be like, great, this calendar is synced to this calendar. And if this gets booked, then it's not available on Airbnb. That takes me two minutes. Maybe, but think about how much money they lose if. Airbnb books something, you know, somebody books an Airbnb three months out for whatever it is, a bachelorette party, whatever. Yeah. And Airbnb, I'm sure they discovered that Airbnb, just based on market prices, was less than 5000 a weekend. Oh, easy. No, no, no. Because they want to book a wedding and you've lost a wedding because you have an Airbnb. I would be so pissed. You know how you stop that? Hmm. You're booking a wedding venue. So you're, you're 100% doing it months, hopefully, several in advance at least i mean some people do it a year plus sometimes so if i just keep the airbnb as like the ability to book at like 30 or 45 days max oh yeah i had a time yeah you're good you're not going to get a wedding venue that gets booked 30 45 days but you can get some airbnb money pretty quick very interesting very very i thought about that yeah really all you need is enough to cover the note but um have you looked at what what it would cost to cover a note to buy the property yeah it's it's not great if i just got normal interest rates and everything wild eight thousand a month or something yeah it's about seven seven and a half yeah so that right there i mean if i could make enough off the wedding venue to cover that which if it does uh, if the wedding venue or if it does 150k like and their margins are what their margins are like that's fantastic. Like you're yeah, done. You got to, you got to book it out twice a month. Uh-huh. Would you ever live there? I don't know. Um, maybe I'm not keen on the part of town or I'm sorry, the part of Texas and it's in like, it's not, it's not the most happening spot. 
not Austin. I can safely say, yeah, if you guys are listening to the pod and definitely want to try to sneak the deal out from under me, it's not Austin. <laughs> because a million dollar property on Lake Austin is like a tree. So, yeah. Sexually, I kind of narrowed it down for a lot of people. Yeah, to that's true. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I could see myself living there for months out of the year, for sure. Which is kind of the dream. So what was the, um, well, that that was my first idea. It was like, okay, great. You have the house in North Austin. You have the house in whatever, Southish Austin. Um, you know, if you were living in the house in North Austin and then you wanted to go stay at this place for three months, you could just Airbnb the house in North Austin, North Austin. Yeah. And try and cover some of the, cover some of the, the weight. Um, very interesting. So what was the other investment idea? I already forgot what option A was. Took option B. It's great. I mean, you did take option B. Option A is a really good one that we have talked through explicitly that I freaking love. This is a roofing solar company. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yep. You and I have talked about it explicitly. I think they're fantastic. There's a ton of meat on the bone. But this business, this guy started, let me pull up the notes so I don't mess any of this up. Uh, he started the business, get this, 2019. They have 40 employees. They have $9 million in revenue. And they have $2.3 million in profit. What state? I'm not giving that. You can give the state. You can't even give the state. You want me to? If it's a, if it make if it's a giveaway, don't give the state. I, I'll give multiple. I mean, technically they're listed in multiple. Or they work. Red state or blue state? That's no, red. It's Texas. I'll give you that as one of their states. Yeah, very interesting. Um, two point three million. You said net profit. Yeah, so that's significantly bigger than what individuals would buy. Um, but we could buy it. We should just send a guy, dude. What do you think that goes for? I think eight million. No, that's an eight, that's an eight million dollar business. Yeah. No, he. I don't think it would. I I don't want to say it because I he might listen. To, well, but I think it would go for at least ten. No, two point three net, and it's grown this much. Everything is already put in place. It's as turnkey as you can. Imagine, based off mine, I haven't done any crazy due diligence, so take all this with a grain of salt. Looking at their systems, looking at everything, they have tech enablement on, you know, hey, we have the routines, and we go after these storms, and we do all this, and they have their teams driven out. Yeah. It's extremely efficient, enough where an idiot like me could come in, and I know nothing about roofing, and probably make some moves. Yep. Yep. I don't know, man. I think... um it's just right in that range. I don't think it's quite there where it makes the 5X multiple. Um, personally, I don't think you get to 5X multiple until you're over 3 million in EBITDA. Um, 3 to 5 is where kind of the 5X really starts to pump in. But you're right on the edge, you know? Um, and so I think it's definitely a play where somebody can come in and take it for you for 4X. Um, and then that gives them the opportunity to to drive it up if they can. If not, they suck and you know, I just think there's so much meat on the bone, like I just keep saying, because it's not like, a, oh, this is a franchise opportunity, but the thing is so scalable. The labor, the intensity, like what they do, give me, let me just paint the business model picture. I'm skipping over in this part, but I apologize, audience. We love you so much. Their business model is straightforward. They go out, get tons of young guys, mostly guys, uh, to door knock 
for chasing storms. They have the softwares, everything built up to like find the storms, get the best options, go out there, and then have boots on the ground to do it because they have the money to do that. And I'll pause right there. And you're like, great, that's not different than any other roofing company. You're correct. They also have the ability for immediate mailers, emails, phone calls, text messages to start going out, as well as like signs put everywhere for everyone driving. That's very recognizable. Somebody, you know, something that's pretty funny, hail no type signs, which are so cool. I don't know if they have those, but I've seen those before just around Austin. Um, That's just attention grabbing, but they build it out in sequences that are like, we do this and we change the side and we move them all around. And they just have A, the money, B, the manpower, C, the systems. So you could just do this in North Dakota or California or wherever you kind of want to take it, which it would just pick up and explode. Yeah. More and more people are just getting out. So So, uh, the system there makes sense. The question is, how scalable is it with the actual execution? What are they doing? Are they, do they have third parties that come in and actually replace the roof? Um, Do they do it themselves? Who's their supplier for that stuff? That's a good part. Fire scale with them. You know, like, yeah, there's, there's limits to other sides of the business that I think make it tougher. Um, and don't quite justify the, uh, the five X at that point, but it is cool that they have at least the system to make sales happen. Right. right. It's, it's in-house the roofing that gets done, which is very rare because normally roofers will act as GCs. I guarantee that's the limiting factor then. You think? Yeah, this having employees. The reason they haven't gone to North Dakota is because they don't have employees in North Dakota to do this. No, yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, if you were to pick up and then place the systems and models around that, you're right. They have all their crews put everything on um, to where, you know, it's roofing and it's solar panels that they sell those too. But that could be the red flag on the whole thing. Not even a red flag. Like, it's not a red, it's definitely not a red flag, dude. There is For no red flag. Yeah, there is no red flag to business doing that for growth or whatever, but it's like, yeah, you you never buy a business or do, yeah, you never buy anything from somebody assuming that you know more than they do or you know better than they do. Yeah. The assumption is that this guy has already thought like, oh yeah, this, if he, if he was smart enough to build a system, <laughs> he was smart enough to be like, this can go anywhere. Um, I almost yeah. guarantee that his limiting factor was like, oh yeah, we tried to scale into California. The only problem was we couldn't find the labor to do the work and we couldn't deliver on all the deals that we got or something. You know, it's like, um, so who knows though? I mean, I like it. I think we should just buy it, honestly. Yes, but okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll have considered your future conversations because there's a lot to it where I think you can really pick it up, but you're right. If scalability is tough that I don't know if that might be the, you know, pull the trigger. I think something like I did mention franchising, like that the business Pinks that we talked about a little bit. Pinks is awesome. The window cleaning service here in Austin, they got blown up because get mentioned on several different podcasts or they've got great marketing, PR, whatever. They have already sold uh ten to twelve franchise license licenses. Yeah, phrases. Dude, that's insane. That's crazy. They started the business in COVID 2020 and yep. they've already said like, Hey, our brand is so recognizable that, I mean, they were mentioned on my first million and you know, they have tons of listeners and so many people reached out to pinks and they were like, Hey, 
I just really want to do something like this. Let me franchise. Then they had no franchise model. They built it up and they said, hey, here it is for this price. And it just took off. Yeah, And it is taken off, which is crazy. So I don't think the, this roofing company would be like that for some other limiting factors. But it's really good at just cranking out immediate profit. Yep, it is. And that's why it's worth buying. But yeah, again, it's like, you know, every business has its limiting factors. And the limiting factors for a business like this is skilled labor. You know, even yeah. if you try to franchise, it's the same problem. It's like, okay, yeah, uh, cleaners can franchise because... What is the actual skilled labor involved with the cleaners, right? How how much do you really have to know? Not a lot. So you can hire bodies. You basically can hire bodies. Um, yeah. But yeah, when it comes to skilled labor, it's like, hey, you have to put a roof on a house. Like, okay. You have to at least know how to climb a ladder and like not fall. Um, yeah. And that's tough for a lot of people. So. Yeah, it is. Anyway, and insurances and stuff. But I like it, dude. I like it. And I think there's a lot of people out there looking for roofing companies. So. Um, I don't know. It's very interesting. Just another one of those interesting businesses that we pull. Uh, I totally agree. Um, people don't value us like crazy for being able to pull all these businesses out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, put, put a number on it. Let's just do this, right? Let's say you and I, what we're really good at is finding deals, finding off-market properties or finding off-market businesses or doing research on investments. Let's say we have 10,000 potential deals, right? Could be any anything, right? A lot of it being, let's give it 80%, 8,000 of them are off market. 2,000 we sourced. We're kind of just looking at this. What do you value a company that has done that? What would you even value that spreadsheet of 10,000 records? Definitely no value to the company. Um, but value to the records, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it obviously depends on how far along they are. That's true. If the quality of the deals and the leads or the off-market stuff. Yeah. It's tough to say. I would rather value the company. So the company has to be making money there. Um, yeah. and it's sellable, you know, like, like think of, I mean, there's, that's not much different than what a business broker would be. There are definitely business brokers that have a ton of businesses that are ready to sell, that are in their pipeline, ready to go. But a business brokerage isn't sellable or not easily sellable. It's a lot like an investment advisory firm or something um, where the minute it sells, everybody can run away from you. All the buyers can go away. All the sellers can go away. So, oh no, it's priceless. It's great to have and you can make money having it, but I think it's priceless. You don't just sell it, I don't think. That is the answer we wanted to hear. That is perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Once again, you got questions, feedback, feel free to reach out. We will not tell you at all any contact details or information concerning that roofing company or the wedding venue lake house so good luck trying to nicely if you call me and ask nicely i'm gonna give you all the information connor's gonna be pissed yeah Uh, Braden's number is 